You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So um, it's been a very, very, very busy day indeed. Um, I started off the day because the family was gone doing a live stream. Nobody decided to join in on the live stream because, again, as I said in the live stream, that uh, probably... uh, that literally nobody saw. Um, Seven o'clock seems to be the money time. I've done later, doesn't do as well. I've done earlier, does not do well at all. Granted, it was like four o'clock, so it was way too early. A lot of people at work and just getting home and all that, and they can't just sit on the couch and hang out with me talking Packers. But that was the window that I had, and so I took advantage of it. Anyways, I did that for like maybe 10 minutes, and I just called it. That's how I started it. And then I said, you know what? I'm just going to do a mock draft. So I did a first round 32-pick mock draft. I recorded those videos, and I'll be hopefully uploading that to YouTube as soon as is humanly possible, and I thought I might as well. The family's still not home at 6.30. They'll be home any minute, but let's at least get started, do what we can with the uh, the podcast. And so I'm already losing my voice, and I haven't even started, but I've been doing this for about two hours now of just talking into this microphone. But um, it's, it's, it's exciting because I feel like it's my one opportunity to see what it would be like if I did this full time. And I'll be honest, I kind of love it. I've just been hanging out down here, making content, talking football, you know, doing live streams. Uh, be nice if more people were around, but figure in 5, 10, 15, 50 years when I'm actually able to uh, cobble together enough money to do this for full time, I should have enough people that are interested and want to do live streams and hang out and talk football with me. I'm having fun. It's been a good day. Beyond that, uh, Dara decided to do something on uh, Twitter that I found um, quite exciting. And I would like to do that for you quickly because I feel like it's important and we have to do this. Now, it's only Wednesday, so I'm just going to give you a taste. That's it. That's all you get. Maybe we'll do a little bit more every day. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But I just want you to get a little taste. I don't want you to get too crazy. I want you to get too excited because then you start going nuts going crazy with excitement. But man, that I don't know why he posted it, but it got me so excited. It just uh, I kind of lost it a little bit and I was like, I need I need everybody to experience what I just experienced when I heard that music because oh, just the feeling in my stomach, the butterflies. You know what I mean? By the way, it's funny how I don't know how to explain these things, but there's those certain cues that just bring you back. You know, it's like in July, August, you start thinking, man, we're so close to the season. We're so close to the season, but it's like, you can't feel it yet. And then I go on my walks and the Badger marching band practices right where I walk. I walk right past the path and I hear them and I hear that. And it's like something in your brain just clicks, you know, like in springtime 
when you there's just a different feel in the air and smell in the air and it's like you're you're transformed into a new universe called spring and you start to feel like cool in the air and all of a sudden there's the the badger band going and the leaves are falling and you get a little bit of a breeze that feels kind of cool and it's like oh that's right i forgot fall i forgot cold weather i forgot football is is like it's it's just it kind of transported me and i'm i'm halfway transported into this football universe and i'm so unbelievably excited when i heard that song it was like oh that's right it's like real football so th- there's a difference between conceptually like oh yeah football's coming up it's like no 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 you don't understand football is happening this week. It's like, no, no, I get it. It's like, no, no, just shut up and listen to this song real quick. And then I heard it, and now I get it. And I'm freaking out. I have to, I I don't know how I'm going to break it to my wife that I have to take the rest of the week off, but I, I might need to take the rest of the week off. Anyways, uh, what are we talking about today? I uh, got a couple of little tiny, weensy little news and notes type things that we need to uh, go over. I got rid of my little notes thing because I was doing a mock draft, so that's how that goes. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had his Tuesday spiel with, uh, what's his name? Pat McAfee. So that was kind of cool. Got a couple little insights there. Um, I do want to talk about the thing that I said I don't want to talk about because you guys keep wanting to talk about it. How are we going to pay Aaron Rodgers? Can we pay Aaron Rodgers? Who leaves if we pay Aaron Rodgers? Can we pay Devontae? In what world, in what universe can we possibly pay Devontae? So I said, fine, I'm going to dabble in it a little bit. Nothing is definitive, but just, again, from the sake of perspective. Let's just do a couple things and just look at what it means. Because I think a lot of people panic because I had somebody reach out today and is like, how can we possibly pay Devontae when we're $50 million in the hole? It's like, well, you can't pay Devontae when you're $50 million in the hole, first of all. That would be your first step. Don't be $50 million in the hole, and that's what the Packers are going to do. Secondly, we're not. We're like $39 million in the negative, which sounds giant, but it's significantly different than 50. But people just get into this panic. Like, we're just done. We have to dissolve the franchise. We have to literally light it on fire and watch it burn to the ground. I'm not sure if we're allowed to let the players leave with the fire. I, you know, I, I don't know the rules, but people are in an absolute panic, and I get it. And yes, there are tough decisions to be made, but again, I just want to do a couple little things for the sake of perspective, and then we can kind of hopefully table it and do more of a deep dive later when we get a little bit more perspective on things and find out how Aaron Rodgers is feeling and how some of these guys are performing. And maybe, you know, some of these things will solve themselves. If Zadarius Smith plays like garbage, you know, that kind of helps us out in a lot of ways. Not necessarily in 2021, but salary cap wise, that kind of fixes all of our problems. But uh, switching it up ever so slightly, I want to start off by saying thank you um, to Mr. Gary Kim for the very generous donation on Patreon. I greatly, greatly appreciate that. Um, Still haven't entirely gotten over the sting of yesterday's disappointment. However, guys like yourself really do help out in that category. By the way, just putting the feelers out there, even though I know you, some of you guys have been begging me to do this anyways, but I'm going to pretend you didn't, and it's going to be my idea, and you can let me know what you think. But I did a little talking to uh, my half-Mexican attorney, and um, we were thinking of doing a Packernet meet and greet. That would be M-E-A-T and greet. Now, his idea is go to the Packer game, do all this work, spend money on a U-Haul, and drag all our stuff up there, and find a place that's going to let us set up tents and possibly sell tickets, and it's very complicated. And I'm sure that's what you guys would prefer, because you want to go to Lambeau anyways. I was thinking of an alternate place where it's just the Packernet meet and greet. It's not 
hey, stop by and, and shake my hand and then go to the Packer game and leave me sitting there and not have to drag all this crap home. He's more adventurous than I am. I would prefer to go somewhere five miles from my house and hang out and then come home, and it's very simple. But, you know, I'm, uh, I'm that way and he's that way. But just, just kind of throwing it out there since, you know, it was kind of a, uh, since I can't come to your party, I'm going to have my own party and forget you guys. But I thought it could be kind of cool, an event, maybe an annual yearly kind of thing, whether it's during a Packer game or prior to a Packer game or in between a Packer game or whatever, where it's just uh, lots of food, grills, meat, sides, coolers, and uh, just hanging out. I think it'd be fun. I know some of you guys, many of you, in fact, are not in Wisconsin, but some of you are, and maybe a handful would travel. So I don't know how you would we would gather up the uh, interest level, but uh, just something to kind of think about. If that was a thing, would you show up? What would it depend on? Those kinds of things. Obviously, uh, the one idea would be to do it during the Steelers game, because that's apparently when everybody's going anyways. Um, and then if we raised enough money doing that, we could uh, scalp tickets and go to the game. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. Just an idea. Just throwing it out there since we're talking about it. Anyways, a couple little news and notesy things. Um, the New Orleans Saints apparently signed Montrevious Adams, which is interesting for a couple reasons. Number one, it's Montrevious Adams, who was a Green Bay Packer. And number two, it really just goes to show what we talked about yesterday, which is how desperate the Saints are at defensive tackle. I don't know that the Saints aren't going to play a lot of Montrevious Adams just based on the fact that they need a lot of help. And again, just kind of goes to show you uh, how desperate they may be at this particular point in time. No offense to Montrevious, but, but kind of a little bit of offense to Montrevious. Uh, Vikings offensive tackle Christian Derrissaw returned to practice on Wednesday, apparently. According to the Athletics, Chad Graff, head coach Mike Zimmer, and Derrissaw will return to, he said, I was going to say, why is Zimmer practicing? Said Derrissaw will return to practice Wednesday, but added, quote, we'll just have to see how he progresses. He's not in terrific football shape because he hasn't practiced. He's been injured this entire time. Um, again, that's kind of a big factor for the Vikings who are trying to fix this offensive line and drafted uh, Derrissaw, hoping that he can be a fantastic tackle for them. Doesn't sound like he's going to be playing week one, but uh, probably won't be too long before he gets out there on the field. If it does take a long time, and it doesn't seem to be that injury is the biggest reason for that, then it's, you know, we, we could talk about football shape all we want, but we're talking about a guy that's just apparently not as good as they had hoped, at least for now. You know, he needs some time, whatever, he's raw, however those things go. A um, couple notes on the Aaron Rodgers situation. Maybe you should do the financial thing first, but let's just do this anyways. Just my observations anyways from Aaron Rodgers' meeting with Mr. Uh, I don't know why I can't remember his name, the punter, the, the punter guy with his own show, making good good amount of money. Uh, he did mention that communication does seem to be better now than it was in the past. However, a couple other not super great observations. Um, the animosity is still very evident. Um for example, one of the guys that's on Pat McAfee's show is not somebody that would like my show, and he's not somebody that I necessarily care for because he's just one of the very anti-Goot, anti-Murphy kind of guys. He's he's a uh, Rogers file, if you will. He is Rogers is is everything to him, and the whole team is nothing without Rogers. And he made some kind of a comment about I saw you out there next to Murphy, and I was hoping that you would just throw a football right through his freaking chest. Something to that effect, which immediately in my mind is like, that's such a ridiculous and horrible thing to say. Why? Why do you want Aaron Rodgers to kill Murphy and Gutekunst? That's crazy. But again, it's like this edgy kind of like, because Rodgers is awesome and they're horrible. Whatever. 
Rodgers was laughing at it. Now, you know, maybe he just kind of plays it off just playing along or whatever, but this has been a consistent thing where whenever people trash Gutekunst and Murphy, very rarely does he fire back. And um, he is, I mean, there, there were several jokes cracked that he didn't smile at because he didn't find them very funny. He laughed at that one. And so he, he never really denies any form of animosity. For example, later on in the show, he talked about um, how Matt LaFleur was the first to visit him when, when all those visits were going on. And he also talked about how he brought several gifts. He brought him uh, whiskey or whatever else, different gifts. He volunteered by himself. He, nobody asked. He said, not everybody else brought me gifts, though. Obviously alluding to the fact that the other guys that came out didn't, didn't, didn't do as good of a job of courting him as Matt LaFleur did. Again, he just offered that up. Like, just, oh, by the way, those other idiots, they didn't do it. Um, and, and, you know, again, if, if things are not true or if things are, are ridiculous, he calls it out, right? So again, if, if, if somebody had made a comment about Gutekunst that was negative, about I wish you would have just socked him or whatever, and there, were, there was no animosity, there were no issues, he would call it out. For example, um, when mentioned about that don't be the problem line, he says that was fake. It absolutely never happened which I want to reiterate that because I still get messages today, mostly from Mr. Negative, who's another Rogers file. Rogers is my hero. He's everything, and this team is nothing without him, and Gutekunst and Murphy are the worst people on planet Earth. He loves to throw that line in my face. Well, Murphy said, don't be the problem. What kind of an idiot says, don't be the problem? You must be a dummy for supporting somebody that would tell Rogers to his face, don't be the problem. That never happened. That was one of the lines from, um, I think, Tyler Dunn's article, um, which... There were some good nuggets in there, but obviously a lot of it was was BS, and um, I kind of went over that at the time when we uh, when he wrote the article, my issues with some of the things that were said in there. But anyways, don't be the problem was one of the things that was supposedly said. Aaron Rodgers, again, if, if there's anything that's untrue, he calls it out immediately. And he said, as soon as he said that, he's like, I want to address that. That never happened. That was fake. And a lot of this stuff is fake. But he absolutely never says there's any... Pro- so there's very clear animosity. And another thing that went on is he made it clear that the communication is still not good, or at least that the Green Bay Packers, he did say it was better, but the Green Bay Packers are still completely unwilling to budge on what Aaron Rodgers wants. He went on to elaborate about how um, a lot of people do things because it's the way it's always been done. And he got all deep about it and, you know, whatever corporations and this, that, or the other. But we know that that's what the Packers um, do. And even Gutekunst has said, this is the way we do it because it's the way it's always been done. And it's very successful. And Rogers even said it's harder to get away from for the Packers because they have been very successful with that. But he also said, sometimes you get too stuck in your ways and you need to adapt. Mike McCarthy came to mind. Now, he went to Mike McCarthy's credit and said he did adapt it. Um, I think that was initially needed to adapt further and that did not happen. Um, you could look at Dom Capers, you could look at Mike Patton, you can look at a lot of different things and say that you need to adapt. In fact, one of the other things I wanted to talk about today was an article about Jair and how he was basically just not on the list because of his size and everything. And if they had just done things the way that they always did things, which is to say, we don't draft guys that small at corner, he would not have gotten drafted. And it was their ability to adapt that brought us Jair. And so Rogers is looking at it from that standpoint saying, you should be willing to adapt. And it sounds like they're not really willing to based on what Rogers went on to say, um, which is essentially that he doesn't feel that they've changed. That at, at this particular point in time, based on conversations, they're not ready to do that. Now, I don't exactly know what he wants because I know they're having conversations. I know they're talking to him about certain things. Obviously, they're just not willing to come as far as Rogers wants them to. And I think everybody's at varying levels of where we all personally feel Aaron Rodgers should come in. He should not be involved in drafting people, at least where I stand. We pay people to do nothing but obsess over draft picks 12 months out of the year. 
to drive them, drive there, to meet them in person, to watch them in person, to study film. And I'm not saying if we want to draft a quarterback, which of course I would never ask Aaron Rodgers input on his replacement, but it's something like that. If it wasn't a horrific offense, you could see saying, all right, what do you think? I guess. But that's, that's an example of taking it too far. And again, I don't know where Rodgers wants to go because I know the Packers are willing to talk to him and they are talking to him. And he said the communication is improving. But again, it's not where Aaron Rodgers wants it, as evidenced by the fact that he said it's not where he wants it yet. They're not, they're unwilling to kind of go that next step and and let him be involved in these kinds of things. And so I don't. It's hard to have a, a firm opinion on it because I know the Packers have gone part of the way, and I don't know how far they've gone and what they're not willing to to do. So I don't know exactly where I stand on that. He also mentioned that he he said. Um, some to the effect of he learned that habits take three weeks to kind of get burned into your brain. Uh, that's generally scientifically how long it takes. And so he feels like, you know, maybe after three weeks of, of time is when things may begin to actually start changing. I have a feeling he got that from the book, I believe it's called Habits. It's one of the few books I've actually read. Um, I'm not going to get into the fact that it's 90% useless, like all books, but there is some good information, and that's one of the things. And I actually revert back to that when I think about things, where it's like, that's going to be really hard, and I don't want to have to do that forever. But the fact of the matter is you you kind of change, your brain changes in terms of it becoming a habit. And it's like, it's not a matter of, can I stick this out for the rest of my life? It's a matter of, can I stick this out for three weeks, or two weeks, or sometimes a couple months? I think that it really does vary depending on what it is or whatever. But you're not going to have to stick it out forever. You're going to be doing it forever, but you're not going to have to force yourself to do it forever. It's can I force myself to do it for this period of time until it becomes a habit and it's just a way of life and it doesn't bother me anymore. But anyways, that was my tidbit on that. Maybe that's not where he read it, but that's uh, that's where I read that. Speaking of, uh, he wants to start doing a reading list and his, his uh, or Aaron, excuse me, Aaron Rodgers book club, whatever, his first book that he would like everybody to read is The Alchemist. And I'll be honest, there was there was five seconds where I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. But um, I went over to the Wikipedia and read what it was about, and I decided I'm not doing that. That sounds stupid. Maybe you don't care, but I'm, I'm going to go through my, my entire thought process on this. And I know you're probably tired of hearing me give my opinion on books, but here we go. The Alchemist is a novel by Brazilian author Paulo Coelho that was first published in 1988. Originally written in Portuguese, it became widely translated, international bestseller. It's an allegorical novel, which means it's a story that kind of tells a bigger story. The Alchemist follows a young Andalusian shepherd in his journey to the Great Pyramids, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to read this entire plot, but the thing that I find weird about this, and again, if you're into reading and you're into this and you get stuff out of it, that's fine. But the thing, as I'm kind of going through it, I'm thinking, what am I going to get out of it? Again, an allegorical story is a story that kind of tells a fake story that points to a, a bigger, broader picture, and it's supposed to be like, ah. So here's how I picture this going. I'm going to read the book, and I'm going to go, well, that was a weird story. Apparently, it has something to do with he had a dream, and he's going to find treasure, and uh, he comes to find out that the treasure was at home all along, right? Okay, so I'm going to read it and be like, that was a really weird and random kind of book. What what the heck is a point? And then I'm going to look it up, and I'm going to see what the point is, and it's going to be something about, well, you're, you know, the grass isn't always greener kind of message. Your treasure's at home. And I'm just going to be angry. Because I spent a week or two weeks or a month or seven years trying to finish this stupid book just so that I can have somebody explain to me that one little bullet point, one of those things that you see on Facebook, you know, that's usually uh, falsely attributed to Abraham Lincoln, and you see it and you kind of scroll past it and go, huh, yeah, that's interesting. That's what I have to spend a week doing, is is reading a, sto- a fake story that tells me that little, little thing. I'm going to take this little quote, you know, the treasure... 
Home is where your heart is. Treasure, whatever. Something about your treasures at home. And I'm going to turn that into a really long and complicated book. Here's the other thing that blows my mind about allegorical story. It's fake. <laughs> You're trying to prove to me a, a universal truth by making up a story. There is not a single story or truth, quote-unquote, that you can't make up a story around. For example, you want to prove to me that uh, your treasure's at home. And again, I'm making that up. Maybe that's not what the book's about. I'm just, that's, that's fake. I'm making that up. And so you, you come up with a fake story that proves it. I could just as easily write a fake story that proves the opposite. Treasure is never at home. Home sucks. You should leave home immediately and go find treasure because everywhere you go is treasure. Right? In my story, um, we stayed home to try to dig up the walls and dig up the floor and all this stuff because I have a feeling there's treasure here. But I had a dream that there was treasure uh, down the street across in this empty lot across from Frank's house in an empty lot. So I, I abandoned my plans to dig up my walls, and I'm going across Frank's house, and I'm going to dig it all up there, and I can't find it. And then some uh, uh, vagrant breaks into my house, uh, heroin addict, and uh, decides he's going to bust my walls because he's on a heck of a trip, and he finds treasure, and he steals the treasure. And, and the, the lesson here is you should be smashing your own walls. Don't dig across from Frank's yard. There's no treasure over there. Actually, I think it was the opposite story. I messed that up. But you get the point. It's, it's fake. I was supposed to go across the street. I started tearing up my walls and some vagrant uh, a dog dug up treasure and it got found and somebody stole it. It's silly. Like, what? How does that help me? Like, you, you proved it by making up a story. Let me, let me give you an, another example. You should wear knee pads when you drive. Okay, why? Get this. So I got this friend, right? His name is Jeremy. Jeremy's driving around. He's crazy, right? He's a crazy driver. He does crazy stuff. He gets into an accident and um, doing like 75 miles an hour, gets into a head-on collision. Airbag deploys, gets a busted up lip, bloody nose. That powder goes all over the place. I don't know why there's powder, but there's powder. Kind of gets bruised up, but for the most part, he's fine. Except for his freaking knees. Apparently, there's these rods in the engine that uh, went flying through his dash and smashed him right in the knees. Just tore him up. He's got to get his legs amputated. And if he'd been wearing knee pads, that wouldn't have happened. Holy cow, is that, does that happen often? Well, no, it was just that one time. Okay, uh, did that really happen? Well, no, I made it up, but I just wanted to prove a point that you should wear knee pads when you're driving. What? <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you for the allegory. It's useless. It does nothing for me. I'm not going to wear knee pads because that's a fake story that doesn't happen. And even if it did happen, that's what you call anecdotal evidence. It happened one time to one person. I'm not wearing knee pads. So I'm going to read The Alchemist and I'm just going to be mad because there's some big overarching story that I have no idea if it's good advice or bad advice because there's no evidence because it's a fake story written by a guy who might be an idiot. I have no idea. It might be terrible advice. I don't know because it's just a fake story. So there's my rant against books, which apparently I can't even talk about books without a good name. I just don't get it. I don't understand. Listen, he says he doesn't usually read fiction novels, but he loves this one fine. When he starts doing nonfiction, maybe I'll get into it. I'm, gonna, I'm still going to be mad. And that's what I'll do. That'll be part of the interest of this podcast. I'll give angry book reviews. I'll be mad that I wasted so much time because there's seven good points in there and 700 pages. Um, but at least then it'll be somewhat interesting and, and you know, like science-based and mathematical, you know, like we've, like uh, that, that uh, book I just talking about. I think it's in my office or somewhere, Habit. 
it's based on scientific research of habits. And so that's how you learn stuff. Like, oh, yeah, we did uh, all these tests on people, and we learned it takes three weeks to burn. So I, I use, like, oh, great, yeah, that's good news, and that helps me in my life. I don't know how the alchemist is going to help me with treasure in my house. Like, oh, yeah, your your home life is great. Why? Well, this guy uh, in fake land went out finding treasure. Turns out it was in his house. So there you go. That's how you know. <laughs> okay. Thank you, crazy person. So he's starting a book club. So there's that. If you guys want to read it, let me know. That's great. I'm sure most of you have already read it because you're book people, or maybe you had to read it in school. I probably was supposed to read it in school too. I don't remember because I never read any of the books they told me to um, because school's kind of a joke and it's easy to pass it without putting in any effort. I believe my family was supposed to be home an hour ago. I should probably text my wife and find out what's going on. Um, one additional note. He was asked about young quarterbacks and um, they were talking about Zach Wilson. He says he's a great guy, blah, blah, blah. And um, I think it was A.J. Hawk was talking about what, what is like the biggest challenge for a young quarterback coming in. And um, I, thought, I found it kind of interesting because it's another angle. And I, I really, I, at this point, I hate to attack Justin Fields because it, it does sound like, it does sound like at this point, I'm just obsessed with the guy. And I, I'm trying not to be. I've, I really don't have anything against him. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's talented, blah, 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 right? But I found it to be interesting as another way to look at things. His answer Maybe it wasn't his definitive answer because he was kind of led into it, but he said situation is unbelievably important for young quarterback. And so it just got me thinking of a very simple question. Who has the best and worst situation of all the young quarterbacks? If you if you look at it from that perspective, as well as the, the talent of the particular player, um, I think you can make a pretty good case that our buddy Justin Fields is in the worst possible spot. Um Jacksonville Jaguars maybe would be in contention for that as well, um, debatable. But it's also Trevor Lawrence, who is more talented than Justin Fields. So if somebody's going to overcome a bad situation, I'm putting my money on Trevor Lawrence. That's number one. You could say Zach Wilson and the Jets because it's the Jets, but look at the organization. Look at who they brought in. Sala is a pretty solid dude. Now, we have never seen him as a head coach. Maybe he's going to be terrible, but he's a very competent human being. And he brought in a very competent offensive coordinator that's going to put him in a very quarterback-friendly system. That's not a bad situation to be in, and it's not surprising Zach Wilson is already thriving. Trey Lance, similar situation. One of the supposedly better head coaches in football, and if nothing else, again, the system is going to work to his benefit. That is not a bad situation to be in. They were just in the Super Bowl like two years ago. And Mac Jones is playing for the New England Patriots, maybe one of the most stable um, and competent organizations in all of football. The only two just flat-out bad organizations really are the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Chicago Bears. And again, one has Trevor Lawrence and one has Justin Fields. And if you look, I mean, just just who's a more incompetent coach? Mm, probably Urban Meyer, but that's, again, that's kind of tough. Urban's kind of doing some goofy stuff, and you kind of wonder if he can do it in the NFL. But, I mean... <sighs> You talk about a guy that's had some unbelievable accomplishments. I mean, this guy has built some programs, so it's it's kind of iffy. If you look at weapons, um, I don't know that the Jaguars have a worse situation. Allen Robinson's the best wide receiver of the two groups, but if you look at overall, um, it's it's kind of close. If you look at offensive line, I don't love the Jaguars' offensive line, but I don't know that it's worse. Um, defensively, probably the Bears. So, so maybe you would say Trevor Lawrence is in the worst position, which makes sense. He was the first overall pick. But again, it's still Trevor Lawrence. But if you were to rank it, fine. Best situation to worst situation, probably Mac Jones, number one, Trey Lance, number two, Zach Wilson, number three, Justin Fields, number four, Trevor Lawrence, number five. 
That is a factor. And Aaron Rodgers pointed to that as being one of the bigger factors situation. And Justin Fields, flat out, not in a good situation. I would say three of the five are in good situations. Two of the five are in bad situations. Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are in bad situations. And and the problem is those are long-term problems. A lot of Bears fans keep talking about, yeah, well, okay, I don't expect much this year, but after this year, it's going to be great because Aaron Rodgers is going to be gone. Justin Fields is going to have his second year. Everything's going to be fantastic. Based on what? What's going to be better? What has gotten better over the last three, four years? Nothing. You don't even know who your head coach and, and, and GM are going to be. How in the world can you possibly say that you know things are going to be better when there's a very distinct chance that the guys who are running the show are about to get fired? And if they don't, you guys don't even like these guys anyways. What's going to get better? Your offensive line is going to improve? How? Why? Based on what? Wide receivers are going to improve? Why? Allen Robinson wants to leave. Who are you going to bring in? You've been bringing in guys every single year, two, three guys in free agency every year. You've done nothing. You've drafted several guys. You've done nothing. What's going to get better? Cole Komet came in. Is he doing anything? He's not doing anything. Drafted him. He was an early second round pick. He hasn't proved anything. Defense is getting worse every year. Why, why are you so sure that next year is going to be a great year? Yeah, Aaron Rodgers leaves. We're in trouble. Fine. Great. What does that have anything to do with you? You can maybe split with the Packers now. Congratulations. You're still trash. I can't help myself, man. I can't not go on a rant. But anyways, I, I that was an interesting, another interesting way to look at things. Again, situation. And that's not a great... Generally, when you draft a quarterback, you're not going to be in a good situation. Which, again, looking at Jordan Love, another reason why, if he's going to succeed anywhere, Green Bay was that place. It is a perfect situation. You look at the system. You look at Aaron Rodgers. You look at the fact that he's sitting. You look at the offensive line, the wide receiver weapons, all these different things, the running backs... The, the the whole package, everything is perfect. If Justin Fields doesn't, or excuse me, if Jordan Love doesn't thrive in Green Bay, he was never going to make it as an NFL quarterback. That's the end of the story. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break right Shia. Family is apparently almost home, uh, so I'll be able to wrap this up. Unfortunately, pretty much going to be wrapping it up, eating dinner, and going straight to bed because it's uh, 7.15, but at least I won't be going to bed late for once. But uh, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Guys, we don't have a lot of time. This is the Wednesday episode, and this particular DraftKings ad 
giveaway, if you will, is for Thursday's game. So I'm going to encourage you to hurry up, get over to DraftKings and sign up for a chance for new customers to win a shot at $1 million. You better believe I'm signing up for this. I don't know exactly, again, how this pay situation works, but I'm going to be in it. And as a matter of fact, I'll probably, I might like copy and paste, although I don't want you to see. Maybe after the game starts, I'll I'll show you what my team looks like. But if I'm not going to win a million bucks, you know I want you to win a million dollars because I'm assuming I'm going to get at least, I get at least a grand out of a million dollars, right? You, you'd throw me a grand, wouldn't you? You love me. I'd do it for you if, if the tables were turned. But there are grand total prizes of $4 million. So even if you don't get grand prize, $4 million up for grabs just in one game, and that's this Thursday. So get in on Thursday night's single game showdown. Uh, You draft six players from the season opener. Stay under the salary cap and see how your team stacks up against the competition. So head over to the app now. That's the DraftKings app. Download the DraftKings app. Use code PACKERNET. They use all caps. Don't know if you need to, but just do it anyways. This week, new customers can get a free shot at $1 million top prize, $4 million in total prizes. Enter code PACKERNET and get a free shot at $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's code PACKERNET, only at DraftKings, the official draft fantasy partner of the NFL. By the way, I think the way that this works, if you sign up, you use that promo code and deposit $5, you get a free entry into the competition, which ordinarily what you would do is you put in money and then you have to pay. If you put in $5, you get into that competition free. I should try that like right now and see if that's the case. But the buy-in is $10. You should be able to get in free. And then you still have the $5 sitting there to use on other competitions. Pretty sure that's how that goes. Um, haven't heard a response back yet, but that's let's just let's just go with that. Any hoozle. I want to pull out my handy-dandy little calculator here. By the way, uh, if you want to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. I did say thank you, and I did do ads, but I forgot to plug that. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as a dollar per month. So the Green Bay Packers, as I said, $39 million in the hole, which is a lot of money. Um, That is, I believe, set in stone. I believe the 2022 salary cap is already set. It's been negotiated. We already know what it's going to be. And so we can confidently say it's going to be $39 million. Um... So, couple things. First of all, if we assume that Aaron Rodgers is going bye-bye, and again, there's a lot of different things that we can do here, and so I don't want to get too far in the weeds in terms of all these different restructure things that we can do, but if we traded Aaron Rodgers, we would be, uh, let's see, that's wrong. It's got to be for next year. Uh, Give me a second. That's $20 million saved or $19 million in the hole. So it, it still seems like a problem. Let's let's do this. And again, we can circle back and keep Aaron Rodgers, but let's just say that that's the case. Because a lot of people are saying, even if we get rid of Rodgers, we can't really do anything. All right, let's, let's go down and do some of the more obvious work. Um, we're going to cut Preston. Now we're at negative seven. We're going to get rid of Randall Cobb, because I don't think we're keeping Randall Cobb beyond this. We are at negative 391,000. So we're almost there already. I'm going to move on from Billy Turner. Don't have to, but I'm going to. Now we're at almost $3 million. Uh, Let's see. Um, We could say Mason, but let's just skip that because it's not necessary. Mercedes Lewis, probably time to move on. Now we're at $5.2 million, right? Kevin King, time to move on. That doesn't do anything, but we're going to do it anyways. Uh, Who else have we got here? Jay Sternberger, enough is enough. Now we're at $6.2 million. Uh, Let's see. Who else do we have here? I thought there was at least one more. Uh, maybe Garvin, but I don't think that's going to, and there's no reason to do that. Uh, oh, Devondre Campbell, right? Don't think we need to keep Devondre Campbell, and it doesn't look like that did much anyway. So we're at $6.2 million, and that's without doing anything, right? Zadarius Smith, we're not paying Zadarius $28 million, I've already said that. If we cut him, 
Now we're at $22 million. So we're beyond fine. If we restructure him or extend him, I should say, we can't restructure him, but if we extend him for a couple years, that's going to take our cap hit down substantially. Now, I don't know exactly how that's going to pan out or what we're going to do. Maybe we just, you know, get him a brand new deal. I don't know exactly how that's going to work, but that's going to come down, I would say, at least another $8 million. No way we're paying him more than 20 against the cap. Uh, Jair Alexander, uh, right now, as the cap stands, $13.2 million. Why so much? Because I believe they're using his fifth-year option. If we give him a contract instead of a fifth-year option, it's probably going to be less than $13 million. Maybe not. Maybe it's exactly 13 but that's a potential thing to do. Uh, Adrian Amos, probably could be cut, could be whatever, but uh, if we just do a uh, basic restructure, which, again, probably not going to happen because I think he's only got two years left, but that brings us to $11 million, just for fun. Uh, let's see, Dean Lowry. If we cut Dean Lowry, that saves us a massive amount of money. Um, we could also, let's see, if we restructured, that does almost the exact same thing. So that's an option. Um, again, Mason Crosby potentially could be cut. That brings us to $13.3 million. And so again, um, as we go through these things, it's like, well, what about uh, bringing in Devontae Adams and all these other guys? That's more than enough money. It really is, especially when you factor in, again, Zadarius, no chance. We're, we're clean over $20 million. We're well over $20 million with all the different moving around of monies. And um, I, I honestly think there's a good chance that, um, you know, well, I don't know, Adrian could get cut. I don't want that to happen, but it, but it absolutely could. What if? How do we keep Aaron Rodgers? Well, if we do all these things without restructuring anybody, um, Aaron Rodgers stays. We're only at $6 million in the hole, right? I haven't done anything else except bring him back, $6 million in the hole. Again, Zadarius is sitting there. We may have to choose between Zadarius and Aaron Rodgers, but if we cut Zadarius on top of that, we're at $10 million in surplus money. We're already good. The only painful cut here, well, I guess Amos is also there, but even if we bring him back, we're $5 million in the black. And we can still restructure, guys. We can still restructure Adrian. We can push money around. Now you say, well, that's what gets us in trouble to begin with. Not necessarily, because we're also cutting out the cancer as we move along. And I don't mean to, to imply that the players necessarily are cancerous, but the cancer is the negative implications of their contract. We have a lot of real ugly contracts as we cut them away. So we go from being a team that has like 9, 10, 11 contracts that are really problematic to we're creating more. So let's say we create three more. So we go from 10 to 13, but we're going to cut out seven of them. So we actually have a net positive impact on our salary cap as we're moving forward. So if, for example, we pushed out money on Bakhtiari's contract, which is unlikely because it's, it's at $22 million, which is high, but it goes from 22 to 26 to 30. I don't think we want to push up, you know, 2023 beyond $26 million, so we probably won't do that. But again, we can do things like this. Kenny Clark would be an easy one. We owe him $20 million, the next year $21 million, the next year $22 million. There's no reason we can't put that down to 15 and then bump this up to 23 and the next one up to 24. There's no reason we can't do that and free up $5 million for Kenny Clark, from Kenny Clark. Um, so again, I, none of this is definitive. It's just, it's just a way of looking at how can we do these things. And, and again, I, I, I've even said we've, we basically structured this so that we can't keep Aaron Rodgers. If we do, it becomes much more complicated, which is why I had to get rid of Zadarius. Maybe we don't have to. Maybe there's another way around it. I don't know. 
But um, that's when we have to start making really tough decisions, right? And so um, I do think it's it's probably going to be between those guys. But if we end up moving off from Aaron Rodgers, I don't really think it's that big of a problem. We have to cut out a lot of guys that we probably like and, and maybe wouldn't otherwise. But again, who do we mention? Um, Preston, Randall, Turner, Lewis, Kevin King, Jay Sternberger, Devondre Campbell. That's it. And we're well in the black. So it's not good. And it means we have to make some tough decisions. But, you know, if we do those things, can we bring back Devontae? Yes. Chandon. We don't really need to. We probably could, but we don't really need to because we got Shamar Jean Charles and he needs to step up in that role. Lucas Patrick. No thanks. Dennis Kelly. No thanks. Tyler Lancaster. Maybe. Isaac Yadam. No. Corey Bajorquez, probably. Will Redmond, not necessary. Oren Burks, not necessary. Yash Nijman, probably. Alan Lazard, probably. Randy Ramsey, not super necessary, not super expensive. Uh, Malik Taylor, not necessary. Chris Barnes, maybe, possibly, probably, but again, not super expensive. Henry Black, not necessary. Dominique Daphne, not necessary. MVS could be the, the, the and some people have alluded to this, that could be problematic. If MVS breaks off or, or, or breaks out, Regardless of what we do with Aaron Rodgers, um, signing Devontae Adams and MVS to big wide receiver contracts, you know, if, if Devontae gets $25 million a year and we want to pay MVS, you know, 17 which I think I don't think there's any way that would happen after one good year, but even if it's 13 14 15 that sucks. But again, we're getting into the weeds and we don't need to do this because some of these things are going to sort themselves out. And the biggest shoe to fall is Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers does want to stay and we want to keep him, yeah, we got some real tough decisions to make. And Devontae might be not coming back, although that may hinder our ability to bring in Aaron Rodgers. Plus, we're negotiating with Devontae right now, so we might not have a choice. By the time next year even kicks off, by the time this season even ends, Devontae may already be on the team, and so we got to work around that. But, um, you know, again, Zadarius is a big question mark. Uh, Adrian Amos is a big question mark that, if depending on how these guys do, probably not coming back. Billy Turner, Dean Lowry. Mason Crosby, Mercedes Lewis, Kevin King, uh, Tunyon I don't think is going anywhere, uh, Sternberger, um, maybe Runyon, but probably not. I mean, we have to have 53 guys on the roster, so you get under a million dollars, it doesn't do you any good to cut them, because you're just going to bring somebody in that costs about the same amount. But again, it's going to be tight, but it, it, it was tight this year. It's just a matter of who stays and who goes. And again, we're, we're kind of getting into the weeds a little bit, but um, I think the biggest takeaway for me is it kind of comes down, not that it has to, but it kind of comes down to Aaron or Zadarius. And if, if Zadarius does stay, we got to do something pretty drastic with his contract. If he has a great year, I think that might make it easy for us where we can just extend him and, and give him a, a relatively large extension. And that just completely frees us up large in terms of many years. If he has a bad year, then I don't know if he stays. In which case, look for the Packers to draft another edge rusher because Preston and Zadarius are leaving and we got nobody but Rashawn and, and Garvin and that becomes incredibly problematic. But again, that's only the case if Aaron Rodgers stays and you got to feel pretty good about that. Because if he, if he makes it past this threshold, I think he's going to be here for a while. I don't think we do all this for one more year. I think at that point we're saying, okay, let's, let's, let's just call this squashed and Aaron Rodgers is here as long as Aaron Rodgers wants to be here. That's my, my thought. But anyways, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it right there. Kind of a short second half, I guess, but um, 7.30, family's home. Uh, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. Again, go sub- go uh, subscribe over to the Packernet Podcast YouTube channel. I've got, um, got a mock draft if you're interested in that kind of stuff. 
Otherwise, we're going to be doing lives whenever I possibly can. I'm going to try to go live around 7. Seems to be a good time. I'm going to try to do that. But uh, 6.30 and 7 will be the goal. But you guys have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>